You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Alright, Sid Talk, what is your before the after the show discussion? Mine? Yes. I wasn't alone. We were actually discussing things together. One of them being Canada in general. Blame Canada. No, I'm not sure how we got on the topic, but I learned some things about Canada. The American-Canadian border is the longest border between two countries in the entire world. It has the most lakes, large lakes of any country in the world. The least people. The le- Well, least dense, not the least people. Least population density. And an owl is the only bird... This has nothing to do with Canada. Well, a Canadian owl would also have this feature. And this has not been substantiated yet. You just threw this at me with no proof whatsoever. An owl is the only bird that can see the color blue. It was proven by scientists this, this week. Okay, what proof? How they study maybe, it? Maybe they took owl's eyes out, inserted them into a human, and then looked through them. That's the only That's the only way you could tell, right? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sure they have their ways, but I, think that's what I like did. proof, and I would like to hear the proof of how they figured it was that a, out. It was Cambridge University that have proved it. Well, I, I trust their findings, but I still want to know how. I don't that's trust an them. interesting fact. And plus, have they tested every other bird in the entire world? Apparently, this must have been the last one they got around to. <laughs> the owl was the last one, and they went, oh, the owl's the one that can see blue. Or like, oh, shit, we're tired of doing this. Yeah, it can see blue. <laughs> I don't. So I often read. Oh, this has been scientifically proven this week, and go uh, how exactly? And mm-hmm. then you, then you, when you read it, it just says based on findings. It never tells you why or how. Yeah, like what was your test? All that kind of stuff. They ain't going to tell you that. Anyway, this week is our special Halloween episode where we will be discussing somebody putting the bins out outside. No <laughs> horror movies. That's just because you just heard it. You're like the dog on that movie. <gasps> squirrel, squirrel. You had to hear it, you had to say it. So, uh, horror movies we will be discussing this week. And the movie we are reviewing, it's Saturday, October the 19th, 2013. Episode 297. The movie we're reviewing is The Conjuring. How do you say it? Conjure. Conjuring. Conjuring if you're British, Conjuring if you're American. It's a 2013 movie. It's out on the 22nd of this month, so you can pick it up on Tuesday. That's 22nd on Tuesday, right? Today's 19th, so... Yeah, so there you go. You can pick it up this coming week. It's rated R. The tagline for this movie, The Conjuring, is it's based on a true story. Crappy tagline. But, um... <laughs> no kidding. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And, Sid Talk, you're going to give us the synopsis of the movie, The Conjuring. Or The Conjuring, uh, as we like to say. It is about a family moves into a creepy-ass house, and bad shit starts to happen. In the 1970s. In the 70s. I think that's it. Irregardless, as they say, of the date, it is a family moving into a haunted type house. And there are some experts who arrive, as we always have the team of experts. And crazy bad shit happens. Paranormal activity happens. Yeah. Like a 1970s paranormal activity. No. I don't think so, but... It kind of is, in a way. But anyway, The Conjuring... um, did you like it? I did, actually. Now. Did you? I have mixed reactions to it. Okay. You like Flaminga? No. the, the f- Nothing to do with who's in it. The uh, mixed reactions are. Um, these type of movies. Haunted house movies. 
I think whether they work or not for you as an individual is if whether you believe in ghosts or you believe in creepiness or you believe in demons and spirits and I don't really subscribe to any of that stuff. So I have to look at it as a just a movie like experience. Like, yes, all this stuff, people think this stuff exists. I know what you're saying. And there have been true apparently true things about ghosts and stuff. Which nobody can ever prove, same as aliens. But you know what I'm saying. But they think they can. They think they can, and they talk about it as though it's completely real. There must be something in it, maybe? I don't know. But anyway. So that colors your enjoyment of these kind of movies? No, because what I'm, what I'm getting at is, I think it, if you totally believe in ghosts and you can't, watch, you can't be in your house alone, if you wear a creaky floorboard, you think something's coming to get you... If that is your temperament, then a movie like this is going to... I I don't think you'd watch a movie like this, to be honest. (laughs) Unless you really love the experience of being scared, then it would do exactly that for you. Now, for me, I just have to watch it as a... Oh, it's a scary movie, like it's supposed to be a scary movie. But it's never terrifying for me. There's some creepy imagery in this movie that's not really to do with there being a ghost or whatever. It's just creepy imagery. Correct. And some scary noises. If you play this movie really loud, like we do in our home theatre, the scary noises are more scary than the movie for me. Like, it's really well done, the scary noises. Like, banging and... Very well done. Because clattering. Go, and it's behind you and it's yeah. and it's up above you and it's crazy. Like That, that stuff is unnerving. But the actual ghost story bit of this, I can never believe it. Even when it's based on a true story, I, I can never get behind that. Because I just think it's a bunch... <laughs> this, this is how I see it. The people who experience something like this and they say they do, I just think they're disturbed individuals or they're just like a bit mental-like. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's fair. Because I do know people very dear to me who absolutely believe... Yeah, but it's just that in them, the, isn't But it? that doesn't make them mental. It means they're like... But no ghosts come and get them. Yeah, but the fact that they feel a thing and then they attach this to it and then other people encourage it and support it. Like, you're telling the story, oh my god, I was upstairs the other day and I swear to god I felt a cat brush across my leg and we do not have a fucking cat. And the other person goes, oh, that is creepy. Did somebody own a, a cat in your house before? Yeah. Or did so- but I mean, but I don't scoff at it because I don't know what frightens them. That might scare them so much and they need some kind of weird explanation to get over going upstairs by themselves, you know? So I believe in nothing whatsoever. Let me just put that out there. Like nothing. I believe in no spirit of any kind or any anything that is conjured out of a world that I cannot see. Yes, I believe in things I can't see. Like I love people. I can't explain that because it's not a tangible thing. But I do not believe there is... A spirit floating around this house right now because 10 million years ago some horrible tribal sacrifice happened and the spirits are trapped in this middle world. I believe in nothing like that at all. I believe in dirt and sky and water and rain and life and death and that's it. So, when I approach the movie like this, other than the fact that somebody says it's based on true story and that's what I roll my eyes at a little bit, not necessarily the people who believe that it's happening to them. But then the leeches who come along, um, 
And claim to be experts and yeah. then walk away through. Yeah. yeah, now the two people that are depicted in the movie, I don't necessarily feel like they're leeches. I think they're, they're totally I think they in believe it. in it. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the other people. Yeah. Like now when you watch Ghost Hunters and shit like that, it's all about the, you know, the thrill and the, like, hey, what can we do to get people to keep watching and all that kind of shit. That I roll my eyes at when someone says, based on a true story. But once I'm in the movie... And they're characters, and it's fictional. I'm totally there with them, and I, you know, we yeah, we get to that's see. That's how I, yeah, that's how I yeah. tr- try to experience it. I try to go, okay, this is a movie. We're in for a scary thing because it's obvious what this is, and just roll with that. Like, don't take any of this. Right. Don't try to convince me it's real. Yeah. Don't try and you know. Don't try and convince me that I need to believe in ghosts or anything. Just I just watch it as a scary movie. And where I think it succeeds in all those things, I think it's well, really well made. First I agree. Off. And secondly, I really like that it was set in the 70s. And I even love, the, you know, the title card at the beginning? Yeah. Where it scrolled that yellow text and it ended with the, the logo of the country, which looks like an old 70s movie. Yeah. I love that he, that, that was there. Um, and, you know, there's something about the 70s that's more <laughs> creepier to me in horror movies. Like, obviously, The Exorcist is one of my favorite horror movies that's interesting why do you think that is um because of when i saw it no i mean why is the 70s particularly scary to you i don't know it just seems grimy and uh (laughs) weirder the colors are different you know there's a whole thing isn't they like this i don't think of the 70s as scary at all see i do i see it as like creepy like i find it really comforting and homey and so when you introduce something creepy into a house that's very this house is pretty generic it's not totally 70s I mean, I've been in and lived in houses in recent years that have similar... Our house is all totally 70s in the kitchen. Got some 70s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my bathroom is like the original tub, so that doesn't... I find it comforting. The browns and the dark greens and the rust colors and... I find it creepy. In this one, you kind of lose the 70s. By the time we get out to the farmhouse, it's not like steeped in 70s until the technology shows up. The cameras and the sound equipment, stuff like that. But I think that's interesting that you automatically... It's psychological to you. I'm in the 70s. I'm creeped out. That's when I saw most of my creepy movies, probably, as well. That's true. The ones that kind of affect you where you're kind of like, oh, those movies from when I was a kid, those scared me. (laughs) Right? So... I like the fact that it was set in the 70s, and I was scared at the beginning that it opened in the 70s and then it was going to go to present day and some obnoxious teenagers were going to open open a cell phone. Yeah, I actually thought that. Not the cell phone and creepy teenagers, but yeah, I thought that No, not creepy. I I just kept having the feeling, oh, this prologue here that we're seeing. Prologue. Mm. Prologue's the before, isn't it? Not after. I thought that's the laughter. After is the prologue. (laughs) Prologue epilogue. Mo- epilogues after. Prologues before. But the prologues at the end of that game you just played. And the epilogues at the end of Streets in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh my god! That's how I learned about. What's it. wrong with us? <laughs> we don't. We don't actually know no. things. You just have to flash movies and TV shows in front of your face to get. Streets in San Francisco always had an epilogue. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> so it's right. But anyway, the beginning of the movie, the first few minutes, it's in the 70s, and I was like, oh, I love this, it's in the 70s. And then the credits rolled, the titles card, and then I thought, now we're going to... It's going to switch to modern day now, and I'm going to hate everybody who's in this. <laughs> and then it stayed in the 70s, so that was nice, I liked it. Very, yeah. And I know that's more expensive to make a movie like that, but... It was worth it. It's worth it. And this, 
the other parts that this movie succeeded on, the house was really awesome. Like, it was scary to me. Like, just in general, the house, the noises it made. The, the... I've always found... Now, see, this is psychological to me. Any old house that's big, and when people walk across the floor, it's all... Even if it's got carpet, really old houses have the clump, 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 clump. Going up the stairs, it's like clump, creak, clump, yeah. creak, clump, wood. creak. Just everywhere like solid is like, wood. you hear everything that's happening in the house. And I would stay all night with people when I was a kid who had houses like this. And I was shitting myself. Like, I was, what's that? Because my house, I don't know, we lived in a more newer, more newer house. It wasn't two-story or anything. It had a basement, but I mean, it was all finished and... I just always remember going in houses like this one, and yeah, those heavy wooden doors. And clump, clump, clump. Uh, so that is my scary trick, because it gets in my mind. And this guy made, the James Wan guy made Insidious as well, which is kind of a... Almost that house had a similar vibe. Similar vibe, similar kind of incident that happened. I mean, it didn't go as far as this one did. But then, it, then again, it did go quite far in a different, weirder direction. This one's more of a... This one's uh, more sincere to me for some reason. Yeah, because Insidious was just a completely made-up thing. This yeah. one's a um, based on a real <laughs> thing that's not maybe a real thing, but maybe some people think it is. The Exorcist is based on a real thing, according to... There you go. You know, so maybe these things happen, we just never see them. Why does nobody film these things ever? Well, they do, obviously. They get to see, be seen in secret societies and shit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ghost don't, hunters, they why have does proof. No, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if that shit's real. <laughs> why does nobody why we a... just? Why aren't we sitting here right now with, like, from Doctor Who, you know, before we found out it was a Cyberman. They're just ghosts, like, everywhere. Little white, ghosty-looking things everywhere. Why, why? If it's real. Yeah, and what? What's the fucking mystery? Saying, you're, like, just, you're here. It's like Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> if Jesus is here all the time, why do we never see him? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that nobody's got controversial about not believing in spirits and then saying <laughs> bringing Jesus and aliens. It. Another one, like oh, aliens! Of course, of course, of course, they're here all the time. Yeah, well, show me one. I'm, I'm never. Se- oh, you 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 see a UFO video that somebody um, says is a UFO video, and it's some weird light in the sky, and it's moving <laughs> but really fast. You don't fast. disbelieve. You don't. You do believe there's life somewhere else in this universe. Right, but the, whenever it's these mental UFO people who go, hey, come and watch. I told you, I went to a library once and watched this guy. Oh, this society of UFO people, when I was yeah. really into the X-Files, I went to an actual thing, and they did a two-hour presentation and showed loads of home videos of UFOs. Every single video that they put up on that screen was like somebody shining a torch in the sky, or... You couldn't even tell what it was. It's like, oh, you see that black thing that's about one pixel wide at the top of the screen? That is a UFO. Right. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. So, no, there's no proof of any of that stuff. So you're taking all this as well with you into this movie. Yeah, I always do in these type of movies. You're So I need to be creeped out um, on a different kind of thing. See, now this one has um, lots of elements... And sometimes, even though they say this is based on a true story, when I'm watching this movie, I feel like they're just trying to add all of those things to scare you. Absolutely. Like, oh, here's a poltergeist. Here's a ghost. Here's a child a, screaming for help. Here's an exorcism. Here's a. It's like, oh, what? whoa! It's like the greatest hits of horror movies. I never in. thought of that. That didn't bother me. And I know I like it's. It. I know he's based it on this true incident, so it's not that. 
but that's how I felt a little well, bit. Well, when you got the Hayes brothers writing for you, I think it probably is some of that. Okay, we've got this scene. We've already had this kind of scare and that kind of scare. What else can we do? I do believe that that's part of it. I feel the formula happening as I'm watching it. But this director has a thing. Like his hand and things, I feel... He's good. I go along with it. The director's it. Like, good. Like I just go with it. You know, I don't... The acting's all good, and everything's yeah, good. Yeah, they've got so quality I'm, people. Yeah. And, and it's, like I said, the production feel, it doesn't feel cheap. It feels like he knows what he wants from this. Like yeah, it, like so the Hollywood trickery doesn't bother me that much. Right. And he doesn't go overboard with that stuff. It's pretty straightforward, like, most of the time. Like, the special effects, they're minimal. Some things fall off. Oh, yeah. You know, it, but it's more of, like, noises and weirdness like even the end sequence which i don't want to spoil it was re- it was pretty creepy the mm-hmm. in the basement it was pretty creepily <laughs> that is enough creepy in the basement is enough to yeah. just creep anybody out this actually this movie takes place in pr- pretty much the entirety of this house like everywhere yeah. you could possibly go in this house including inside the walls underneath the floors yeah, I liked that, actually. Yeah, and it, I felt like I knew the house at the end as much as I knew the people. Yeah. But um, I think if you're really, really scared by ghost stories, I think this is, like, right dream. up at the top of a really... It's really high-quality ghost story. Because we start with the museum of, like, haunted items. Which is a real thing that so we saw. So you can shit yourself up and go, yeah. oh, my God, that stuff... Like, like, that shouldn't even... And I liked how they explained some stuff in this movie, like... You know, we all say in every ghost movie, well, move. Just get out. Like, something moved, leave, sell the house, go, right? And they kind of explained, simply, but enough, whereas you don't have to ask the questions anymore. Yeah, you buy it. Like, yeah, you can't move. I'm sold on the idea that they're kind of... But then all of a sudden, they end up in a motel. Right. So they could have done that already, but... But it didn't. Didn't help. (laughs) Didn't help. (laughs) Just like Poltergeist. Didn't help. That's what I'm saying. Uh, there's also the fact that it's in the 70s, so there's no cell phones or communication with, like, get people. If some shit's hitting the fan, the police can't immediately turn up and all that stuff. True. It's it's not the same as... Um, the One animals... issue I had was just the time that has passed. Because we see the move-in on moving day, and then by the time we're getting help, people they've they're staying in the basement. But I don't know how has this been weeks. It has feels been like months? a long time to me. Because she's researched, she's found these two people, she's gone to their seminar. It felt like no time to me. That was my problem. I'm like, was this? They just moved in last week. How is this escalating? I mean, the the house was like in a state of moving in, and then it was in a state of lived in, and then you know it felt to me like they'd been there a while. Plus, they when they came for that day, I just wish they'd addressed it more. When they came for the day to just survey the place and then come back with their equipment, that seemed to me like yes, it's not telegraph, but it seemed like it wasn't because she said I have to do research, I have to ask this, I have to do right, and that's the thing. I don't know how much time is passing, but it's irrelevant. It's just one of those things that kind of annoys me a little bit sometimes. It's like a little bit of a side story with the two, you know, the Warrens. Yep. Um, that I found like unnecessary, kind of like anything that took place in their house with their little museum. Right, but it also we're supposed to understand that this house seems haunted. These people seem haunted. They understand. You're never going to escape it, though, because this shit's everywhere. I think that was my vibe that I got from it. That she's going to be constantly tormented 
and everything. It just it's everywhere. And these two people, the Warrens, are real life people, are like the original kind of Ghostbusters. You could call it like um, ghost they, hunters. I ghost think. hunters. They <laughs> use like te- like te- rudimentary technology, tape recorders, cameras, like um, temperature sensors, this kind of stuff to track down. So if you do watch those shows of today, like Ghost Hunters and that sort of stuff on TLC or wherever it is, History Channel. Yeah, it's unbelievably. It's the um. 1970s equivalent of that so it's kind of interesting in that way that these I also felt that like this movie got made when in the last few years and that paranormal activity and ghost hunters has become super popular how do we tell this story to kind of fold into the popularity as well yeah yeah it's flavor of the month or flavor of the few years it's one of those things zombies ghosts everything these things just come around exorcisms yeah. They just come around. But this contains a little bit of everything. That's what I was saying. It felt like a grab bag of uh, horror stuff at, some, at one point for me. But like I say, really well made. If you're into ghost movies and horror movies, I think it will scare you. It's definitely a creepy movie. And you, uh, like you say, you know... I pe- had a few scares. Yeah. M- the few scares I had were actually jump scares, as in like there was a really loud noise that I didn't expect. So you're talking about, like, when the movie goes off and you're in the dark, you go, turn the fucking light on. Yeah. I'm scared. I'm I fi- scared. I find it difficult. I'd f- I actually would find it difficult to go in the front room at night, put the Exorcist Blu-ray in on my own. <laughs> like, you're not here at all. I'm just right. here. And sit and watch it in the dark on my own. I'd actually find that difficult. It would unnerve me in a way. Really? Yeah. But there are, And there are not many movies that will do that for me. The Exorcist would be one. Um... What else? Something else that creeped me out when I was a kid. Um, I was going to say Nightmare on Elm Street, but it probably wouldn't do that now. Because it's a bit too cheeky. Yeah, exactly. Um, But that's interesting. But The Exorcist definitely would. I wouldn't want to really watch it on my own. (laughs) It's a bit too... I don't know. And this as well could have that effect, I'm I'm thinking. So it's like... I jumped a lot. And I was like, holy... Oh my god, because I it got in my mind. Not that now, in this real... If you turned off all the lights and I had to walk down the hallway in the silence of the house, that I would I would have no problem with that. I could go to an old house right now, in the dark, walk around. I might be like, if I don't know if no humans are sitting around in there, then I might be scared. But if you've convinced me there's no one in this house but me... Oh, I'm not scared in my own house. I'll, I'll walk about at 3 o'clock in the watch, morning with no lights on. Unless you watch The Exorcist. Yeah, something that <laughs> unnerves me and sit on my own and watch it. Maybe I would be kind of like, Ugh, I don't, I'd rather be watching a comedy right now or something. This is a bit weird, like. Interesting. Yeah. So I think The Conjuring kind of conjures up <laughs> memories of, like, watching The Exorcist. Right. Because I think it's got that creep factor to it. It's not quite there for me. One thing I, I really admired about it, too, was how it wasn't like a blood and gore movie like we see all the time now. Not at all. Like, we've seen The Evil Dead recently, which is, I think, an effective horror movie, too. The Evil Dead in a different way. The, the remake of The Evil Dead that we just saw. Yeah. It's an effective, scary movie. But for for a different reason completely. It's, um, it's, is it really scary, though? I think it actually was. I think that would creep me out, sitting watching her cut a tongue open and stuff while I'm just sat there. It would creep you out. But what's the scary part? That it's going to possess you next? I think the scary part of The Evil Dead for me is I have the first, the original from when I was younger, watching that. 
I'm being scared of it. Right. In my mind when I go in to watch the new one. And I never did, so it doesn't. neither one of them scared me. But it's a different type. In fact, this year we've had the remake of The Evil Dead, which I really do like. And I think it's scary for a different reason. I mean, it's rivers of blood. It's <laughs> yeah, totally gory as hell. And this one isn't gory at all. It all stems around you buying that that house is haunted. Yes. And if you do, which I don't, but I do buy how the director put it over there. And there is some disturbing imagery. Like, there's one thing with the wardrobe. Yes. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The, like, it's just freaky. <laughs> or like, this. It's just, yeah, uh-huh. it's just freaky. Yeah, and the Just cover. that whole Clabby game. If, yeah. See, I can think of that. And that shits me up because I think of it and... Yeah, you can relate it to your own... Yeah. Like, doing that with your mother or whatever. Because my thought... If I was in a creepy house and I heard somebody clap and I am convinced no one's here, I don't go straight to ghost. No. Like, she didn't either. No. You go straight to, who the hell is in my house? Right. Get out of my house. Stop creeping me out. So... But that, once we've established and we understand... That sometimes it's seen, sometimes it isn't, and now it's just a really creepy thing. That did scare me. Like, I was, like, scared for her. And then I was totally there, man. I was totally with it. She gets grabbed, I'm totally there. She gets possessed, I'm totally there. The kids get led away. I'm, like, I'm I'm in it. So I really like it for that. Because I'm convinced, in the moment, of the creepy stuff that's happening. So I'm going to go to the cast. Vera Framinga is Lorraine Warren. She's really good. I like her in most things that I've watched. Oh, yeah. What else was she in? Another horror film. Horror? No, no. She was in Up in the Air. Mm, yeah. She was also in a... Uh, she wasn't in Insidious. Actually, that was Rose no. Byrne, wasn't it? No, it was for Mega. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick Wilson's been in another horror film, too. Has he? Because I didn't... I think so. Yeah, Up in the Air and The Conjuring and... Vera Firminga. Hard easy. I don't see it on there. Yeah. No, she wasn't in that. So, I feel like I've seen her in another horror movie. Oh, yes, I have seen her in another horror movie. It's Orphan. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. Which I really liked. I liked Orphan. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. But, um, she's good in this. I think she... After seeing... Uh, and if you watch the extras on this Blu-ray, you see the real lady. Lorraine Warren. I get... Yeah. What she was trying to do. Like Very it, gentle. Yeah, it, she got it, didn't she? Super compassionate. Completely convinced of every... Because she's... That ghosts exist. And completely. she's not bothered that other people don't believe. It's not like she's trying to convince no. anybody. You know, in other movies she you see... She just wants to help. Right. She's not annoyed that the cop guy doesn't believe it or anything. It's just like, I... Uh, she's... In her life, it looked... Uh, to me, it felt like she knows what she sees. And at this point... All I want to do is help these people. That's right. all I want to do. And I think she played it really well. And I agree. Pa- Patrick Wilson plays her husband, Ed Warren. And what I liked about him was he was kind of straightforward about things. Yep. Um, and sometimes I got the vibe from him that he didn't really believe there's a ghost in this place. Like, ah, uh, just... Yep. You know, you, things happen, like, it could be these pipes. Like, I got the feeling of... But he got over that real fast. He did, Really yeah. fast. When, that's because, in this particular instance, I think he it, <laughs> it came on pretty quick, didn't it? Yes. 
But you could tell they'd been to lots of different houses and had to tell the people, you're not haunted, it's just your pipes. Exactly. So I like that because that was not what she was giving off. It seemed to me that she, as soon as she turns up, is with you. Oh yeah, I think you're haunted. Like, like and he has to be the voice of reason sometimes and say, yeah. this place is not haunted, we have to go now. Um, Lily Taylor, who I think was amazing in this, she might be my, my favourite thing. Oh yeah, she's Plays good. Carolyn Perron, she's, she's the mother good. of the house. But, <laughs> I don't know if this is a correct statement, but she has like a 70s vibe about her as a person. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> but you know is it because you've seen her in that Warhol movie yeah and I, I, I just buy her as like a like some people don't fit in a 70s movie to me it might be if I'm too familiar with them in as I know that I know an that example Tom, so Tom Brad Pitt wouldn't fit to me hmm. like I would be kind of like it's a bit you're Brad Pitt yeah and I associate <laughs> you or Tom Cruise maybe I associate with you with Modern day stuff or futurist stuff. So you're just wearing a fake mustache and you got a wig. So right. I don't get it. Like with her, I just she I buy her as like a seventies person. It's like she is in the seventies. Yeah. So that was one of the things that made it work. But then again, she has to do some crazy shit in this movie. She, yes. I think she has the hardest, you know, stunts. schedule to do. I mean, she has. She's got stunts. She's got. Emotional things. Yeah. Um, Ron Livingston plays Roger Perron, her, her husband. And he's from Office Space, if you've ever yeah, seen Yeah, I didn't realise who he was for quite a while. And then I was like, yeah. oh, God, that's Office Space guy. Um, he was good? Yeah, he was good. Because um, like- he's a, a little bit removed, but he completely... He never shows a bit of doubt. All he... He's not intense about caring about his family, but you know that he does. I was just thinking, you know, when you were talking about these two guys who wrote this movie, and I was just thinking then that there is some kind of shitty writing in this um, story. And I'm not talking about dialogue. I'm talking about, like, convenience stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, the husband has to go away for a week now. And when he, when he said, oh, I have to go away for a week now, I was like, oh, okay, so now you... Yeah. You know, we already know something weird's happening in your house, but now you're going to leave your family for a week. Your five daughters and wife <laughs> yeah. out in the woods. <laughs> and that was the thing where I was like, I don't think a bloke would do that. And I know they said, I know he said, oh shit, we, we're really struggling money-wise, but they, you've just moved into a house. What, it's all And no, crazy weird shit's happening. Your wife's yeah. got bruises all over. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's just like, can you go to the doctor? Now I'm leaving for a week. <laughs> there was a lot of that weird, that's writing stuff to me that um, I sometimes don't buy. It's like... Plus, we never... We never had an instance where he wasn't there, which was weird. No, he said he was going for a week. And then, and then he, he didn't there. go anywhere, did he? No. <laughs> Even though he said, I'm going tomorrow. I think that was just the one-liner to tell us they're struggling financially. And then later when he says, we can't just buy another house, then we're supposed to yeah, go like, it, oh yeah, they're it's struggling. All, it seems very, um, oh, Agreed. Like, you know, when you're in the writer's meeting and you go, oh, we haven't told them that they're stealing, that they're strapped for cash. So Exactly. And they just bought a big house, so how can we... Um, how do we explain that they bought this big house? Oh, but it was I, bankruptcy yeah. or whatever. How do we explain that they won't leave? Well, they don't have anywhere else to go. There's right a lot now. of that. Convenience yeah. type, type stuff, um, which I just, it dawned on me then when I was thinking, hey, he said he was going away and then he never went away. I know why he didn't went away. Something happened as before he left. Something big happened. Right. So then he didn't bother going. 
But does every movie do that? And we just nitpick it sometimes. Nitpick them sometimes. I think some. I think the majority do do that. Yeah, Very easy telegraphing stuff. Because you only have ninety minutes to get a story or whatever. So yeah. So this is directed by James Wan, who's actually the creator of the original Saw. He uh, directed the first Saw and wrote the first Saw with his friend. Um, which is, I think, a classic horror movie, the first one. I don't care for the other ones, but... I agree. The original is really Conceptually, good. Conceptually, definitely. Kind of a movie that you can only see once. It's not only effective one time, but um, it's I'd a good... I'd watch it again. I would, but it's not the same, is it? It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's quite a unique experience the first time you see it. Um, he also did Insidious, which I'm not the biggest fan of. We did watch it last year. Um, I thought it was okay. It was creepy, but then the ending was a bit too bananas for me. It just really is out there. Like, yeah. You're supposed to be grounded in a certain kind of reality the whole time. And then it and just then, goes like yeah. ape shit. I mean, just, it's too much for me. I, I didn't think it worked at the end, even though I thought it was creepy up to all that stuff. Uh, and James Wan's actually said recently that he's not going to be doing any horror movies um, again, he says. Um and his next movie that he's doing is uh, Fast and the Furious 7, which is like Tokyo Drift 2, actually. So That's so funny. There's a joke in American Dad that the boys find the script for Fast and the Furious 7. And you're laughing going, oh my god. Because this is years ago. Why would they ever make that many of them? And now they're making it. Well, you love Tokyo Drift. And James, I do love it. James Wan's in charge of the second one. So that's going to be probably yeah, good. Oh, that was my favorite one. Um, and he's never really done a big um, action type movie. So I, I think... You know, his visual style and his... I think he could be quite good at doing that. Um, so, Blu-ray extras. And yes. This movie has, like, a uh, lenticular cover. And I didn't even realise. But the lenticular covers of um, the main actress with a match in the dark. Oh, and when it you appears. move it, it claps. Yeah. Oh. It's, and it made no sense to me. That conjures up a memory for me. Can you see it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it really made no sense to me. But you know then what? The that gave me really a good. shiver down my spine because I'm thinking of it right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is actually a really cool cover, but only <laughs> once you've seen the movie does it really make any sense. Yeah. And it's actually a mild spoiler, so don't actually look at the cover <laughs> until... <laughs> don't listen to anything we say about this movie. Now, there's three special features on here which... They're all right. They're all right. Yeah, I expect... But you know what? It gave me what I needed to know. Uh, I got to see the real yeah. people. I don't think I want to watch five hours of special features. I was convinced it. that, okay, these are people who really believe this shit, and I do think that they are a little bit troubled. Not mental, but they're all seeking something, and this ghosty stuff kind of fit, or ghosts and spirits fit the bill. So you get um, The Conjuring face-to-face with terror, which is... Um, they interview the Perron family, and they also interview the what she called um, Lorraine Warren. Yeah, um, a life in demonology actually focuses on the Warrens, um, which I found really interesting. Yep. Even though I don't buy their thing, but somebody does, and they do, obviously. Yeah, they're not. I don't think they're nuts or anything. Mm. I just think that some people buy their thing. She didn't seem, like you said, like a scam artist or anything like that. No. She seemed like she'd seen something or something in her past that made her believe this. Totally. I agree. And then there's a feature out which is actually about the making of the movie itself called Scaring the Bleep Out of You. <laughs> um, and that 
actually has interviews with James Wan and he shows you the making of it. And you know what was really fascinating for me? And I didn't see enough of it. I'd like to see a little bit more. That They built that house on a soundstage. Yeah, I was convinced the whole time they were in a really old house. So that was awesome. Yeah, and it was a fantastic set considering it was just a fabricated set. Like, because I know the outside shot of the house, I'm assuming, was a real house. But there again, maybe that wasn't either. That's why I say I'd like to see a bit more of the making of it. But um, that's The Conjuring. Um, conclusion? I think it's a good, scary movie. a scary movie. movie for this Halloween, it's a good one to sit down with. Definitely. I agree. Um, a classic? No. I don't know. I mean... I don't know, actually. It could be amongst people who like ghost movies. It could be right Yeah, but there. that's not what makes a classic, is it? A classic is The Exorcist, who everyone has heard of. Or Poltergeist. Most, or... Yeah, some look. Everyone has seen it, and whether you're a scary person, scary movie person or not, you are aware of it in I mean, the lexicon of creepy movies. I mean, Poltergeist terrified me when I was younger, but... I've seen it again in adult life, yeah. and it's kind of comical. Like A it's, little bit. It's a bit too much like it's... I watched it so many times. And so did I, and it scared me. Like, I was scared. The piece of meat. Yeah. <laughs> and his I, face peeling The piece of up. meat freaked me out more than anything. The moving piece of meat. Right. Did it have maggots in it? Or yeah. Something? Yeah. It burst open and Yeah, it was horrible. It freaked me out. That, that was one of the main things that freaked me out in that movie, and that's not really really scary it was part. cutting edge though yeah think about it um so in conclusion yeah i recommend the country and if you like a good scary movie and it really will scare the people it is aimed to scare at i agree and it scared me and i'm not one of those people yeah and it's like i say it scared me but it was mainly the um jumpy stuff and the sound the actual surround soundtrack on this movie is stunning yeah, because when the big crash and she's like, shit. So what I, what I thought they did really well was, because this movie takes place in a house and there's lots of scenes where you're downstairs and something happens upstairs or the opposite way around, you can feel the... You can tell when a bang's coming from above you as opposed to below you, which I don't know how speakers can do. Yeah, true. Like, it sounds like somebody's knocking on the ceiling, yet there are no speakers in the ceiling. <laughs> so how is that happening, like? Oh, well, we know how. It's haunted. No, I mean, how's that happening in our surround sound speakers? I know, I'm saying. Our house is haunted. That are on the floor. Yeah, it always baffles me that they can direct sound above you when the speakers are all at your ear level. And it does happen in this movie. And there were several times where I was like, wow, that sounds like it's... We're in a basement, but it sounds like there's another basement. Because it sounds down there. It sounds like it's down there. We don't say that. We'll have to start digging. Yeah, so yeah, it has, does have an excellent surround soundtrack. Um, so thanks to Warner Brothers. If you want to go and enter a contest to win some other Blu-rays, not The Conjuring, you can go to com. We've got quite a few going at the moment. Next week's Blu-ray review will be something completely different than The Conjuring. It's Monsters University, which is the prequel to Monsters, Inc. Which, Sounds pretty um, scary. It probably is, because it's got monsters, but I'm sure it's not this kind of scary that The It'll Conjuring... It'll be fun. Um, so, movie game... We play a movie game at this time every week in the podcast. <laughs> and uh, what is this movie game? It is movie year. I say a movie, and you, from the depths of your brain, from about 50 years worth of movie watching, figure out what year it is from. All right, so mine to you is the Amityville Horror. Ooh. 1978. 1979. Oh! Oh, I'm gonna kick this and the reason I chose the Amityville Horror is these two people, the Warrens, 
had something to do with it. Were involved in that case. Right. Which is another true life story. In my movie, it's very similar. Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Ooh, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. 1978. Oh. 1977. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we I, were kicking the right I actually saw together. that movie. Well, in yeah. the 70s. So did I. I well, shouldn't have, but I it. saw it on TV, probably. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, why are we always a year off? Weird. All right, so, so my um, recommendations, movie recommendations, based on The Conjuring, I think you should see this Halloween The Conjuring, obviously, but also see The Exorcist, which Warner Brothers have just put out on a 40th anniversary edition. Oh, my God. Are we on 40 years? Probably, actually. Very possibly. So, yeah, you can pick that up now, The Exorcist, and it is my favourite horror movie of all time. There is nothing yet that has touched it for me uh, and my second one is The Omen and that's just because it's kind of like a haunted house movie but it's also a possession slash yep evil child well, and I'm possessed. talking the original Omen not this remake that they did I didn't realise oh yeah I did realise they that. made a remake with Liv Schreiber in it oh. and mine are because of this week I did watch Reanimator or The Reanimator and this which is, I'd never seen before. This is um, actually something in my stuff that I'd added. I understand, but yeah. I'm saying it's yeah. my recommendation. This is why it's a horror week. Right, so I'm recommending Reanimator, or The Reanimator. It's campy. Reanimator. And bad, but good. And I watched, I had, the, <laughs> I had the, owned the VHS, owned the VHS. I'm saying you it. had child, well, young person memories of it, so you have a different view of it. I'm watching it as a 40, 45, almost 46 year old, watching it going, oh my God. Like if I'd seen this in 1985, I would have been like, I've got to watch it 500 times. Oh, I did, totally. And I watched it try to go back in my brain to the 15 year old me or 16 year old me and it was like I get it it's weird and it's so unsettling at times like super unsettling but I get the the appeal totally it's almost like an exploitation oh my god yeah <laughs> it's like everything you can titillate and a guy scare. carrying his old head around in a pan I just love it yeah. it's like and then my other one is because I'm gonna do this every year but I think everyone should be reminded of um Vincent Price and he's in all the Dr. Fibes movies. And he's they may not be scary. I know, but these particular movie, the Dr. Fibes movies, they're not particularly scary, but they do harken back a little bit to this biblical demon stuff or what, maybe not. But I mean, the idea is to kill everybody with the plagues from the Bible, which is very interesting. And uh, they've got their own creepy factor, even though you're watching it and you're pretty removed. It's the 70s. So you're kind of like, oh, it's cheap. and But they're, to me, I remember them as a kid. I remember once we were at somebody's house. I think it was New Year's Eve. And the grown-ups were all playing cards and smoking and drinking over in one area. And then they had doc, this Dr. Fibes movie on it. And they were in the desert. I think it was the beginning. And something happened. And I remember going behind a chair. And all the other kids and teenagers were kind of sitting around. And I went behind a chair or a doorway or something. And I could barely watch it. I remember my hand right in front of me. And I was like, just barely peeking out. Like, oh my god. Because the plague thing and the the locusts and all that. And the blood draining out of somebody. (laughs) And I was just like, (laughs) so I don't know which one it was. But I know it was Dr. Fibes. And uh, so I recommend that. I don't show it to your seven-year-old. I think I was seven when I saw it. But... All right, so games and Ace Scully stuff. Let's talk about Beyond Two Souls, the game that 
we started talking about last week, but then this week we finished it. And yeah. you were involved completely in this game. You watched it start to finish. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, you weren't involved, but you watched as a yeah. viewer. So it was like a long movie for you. Correct. What did you reckon of Beyond Two Souls? I enjoyed... And it's the game with Ellen Page that we mm-hmm. mentioned last week. I enjoyed the... Parts of the story a lot. Really well done. Like, heart-wrenching at times. And yet, I felt like you, we discussed a little bit, there are parts that felt confused as, are we telling this big epic movie slash game, or are we playing a video game, or are we just doing a movie, and it felt a little bit, somebody needed to commit, like, The Last of Us, to me, felt like a video game the whole time, a video game telling a really good story, to me, a good story, these two characters. Right, with all the video game bits. But it's all video game, telling a good story. This is more like, we want to tell a good story, and I make video games, and we want to prove to everyone that you can tell a good story with this medium, and yet there are times when you sit, you sat there for minutes and minutes without doing anything, which I don't mind, but it's confused, I, you know? Yeah, there, there are moments where you do, you do nothing. Like a long and that's not story. bad, but as, if you were sitting there alone playing... Other than you, because you like that kind of stuff. I can see where people be a little bit confused. Like, I think let, there me, were, let me play through the story. Don't just tell me the story. I think there were some chapters of it that were just superfluous. They felt like they were there to me to make it longer. Definitely. Um, because, you know, it's not, it is a movie kind of thing. But a movie generally lasts two to three hours. And this is lasting ten hours. So we need it to last ten hours. So... Could I insert some more stuff where you've yeah. got to do like some walking around and, <laughs> and there are walking. parts of gameplay that for me there are there are, there's some gameplay that's completely unnecessary like there's a lot of pushing the stick just to walk for n- no reason when it could they, you don't really just need to walk you there. there you could just cut to a scene where you were in a place the walking adds nothing apart I from I disagree I'm pushing the stick. It adds to me that we're, um, I get my mind in, I'm following a story. I'm following a person. I think when you play... People playing, can't it transport doesn't... instantly to places. And that's where the difference is. Like, I don't mind watching her walk, but I'm not the one making her walk. So I, I can my, see what you're saying. I think, like, some of my favorite scenes in Heavy Rain, which was the game that came before Beyond, were the really mundane scenes, like I said to you, where you're brushing your teeth or you're... Getting a party ready for your family. Like, there's a, you're having a birthday party for the kids and you're just getting it ready. And the wife's saying, can you go and get the plates out of the cupboard and that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like, it, it builds a picture. It sound very interesting. No, but it builds this picture of this family and, like, how they operate with each other. And you start to care about them because they're just doing these ordinary things that you do. So, in Beyond, there's a lot less of that. There's one scene in particular, and it's my favourite scene in the entire game, I think, called The Dinner. Yeah. And it's... Jodie's at home, and she's going to have a date with this dude, and he's coming over in an hour or so, and you've got to have a shower, get the dinner ready, clean up, and all this time, Aiden, who's the spirit that she's linked to, is kind of having a... Um, he's annoyed that she's having a date. So he's kind of pl- messing with her by, like, you know, she tidies up, he messes it up again. 
and there's a lot of mundane stuff to do. And I went through and played the scene again. We played it, and we'd all, instead of making any dinner, we just ordered pizza in ours. <laughs> well, I replayed the scene, just that scene again. Oh, right. And I made, like, a curried chicken, and it was like, oh, get this out of the cupboard, stir this, do that. You when know, we it? did it the first time, you're like, yeah, but I don't get to cook. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now that makes sense that you so, would go back. So, and it's not really an exciting scene in any way, but it, I, I feel like it's one of the scenes in the, in the game where... It, it works. Like, I get, I feel, oh, yeah, she's just a person. It's not, you know, it gets crazy near the end, right? C- really crazy. Yeah. Like, really almost too crazy for me at the end. A bit like insidious. You mean like where it doesn't fit? It fits, but it gets really whew, out there all of a sudden. Like, it's like, oh, wow. You know? I don't know, you don't want to give anything away. So I'm not 100% sure what you mean other than visually and the action gets kind of yeah more crazy. And there's a big choice you can make near the end that's kind of... Did, that you didn't like that? Well, the way David Cage talked about the game from the early outset, you know, last year's E3, the year before, was, oh, there'll be so many choices to make. You'll This will be a brand new thing every time you play it. And... It really doesn't come down to that. No. It comes down to, like, A or B, really, towards the end. So, when it got to that bit, and it went, hey, do you want this or that? I was like, really? Is that the only two options I get here? That's... Was it disappointing, or...? It was a little bit, because the heavy rain, there's a lot more options going on. And he was kind of saying, yeah, heavy rain was just, like, a practice for us. This one's going to be, like, so different. You're going to be able to play this 30 times, and it would always be different thing, like... And I was like, uh... Let me think about that. If I went back and played this 30 times, how, how different would it be? I think it would be different the second time, but then I don't think you'd want to do it a third time. Yeah, I agree. So it's not 30 times. And it, it it's very light or dark kind of thing. It's not... There's no grey areas. It's... No. So I don't think it fully succeeded as a story, to be honest. I liked it, and I liked parts of it. I think parts of it were very boring to play like what um that navajo section i really found it uninteresting um to be perfectly honest the mission the one called the mission the gameplay involved in that was very boring which one was the mission where she's actually doing the mission in samelia oh right it might look really exciting yeah because for me watching is very action-packed it's very after you've played a game like Splinter Cell. Oh, right. Or Grand Theft Auto. Or something where you're in control fully. Playing that, where there are about three decisions you can make at any point of time, like press X and hold it to go there, press X and hold it to go there, or press R1 and she'll shoot, and there's no chance of missing if you shoot. You press R1 and the person will be shot. Right, It's yeah. very granular and... Boring. It, it's almost like I'd rather just watch it. So the truth is, he's just telling his story. And they kind of tagged Adding on the gameplay. That's exactly the feeling you get, too. Yeah. And the gameplay's not fun. That that stuff's not fun at all. It's like... It's a stealth section where you're stealthing around. It's kind of fun for the first guy you take out. But then all every guy after that, it's just the same thing. So what's fun about The Last of Us? Because the the actual gameplay... The shooting, the stealth gameplay, the stabbing, the trying to avoid the enemies is all down to your skill. Right, okay. Like it's modelled around, can you aim properly and shoot? 
Can you creep up behind people? What's your decision like? In in this game, it's A, B, or C. It's choice. So you not, don't like the mechanics? No. But I thought the story was good in parts. I thought it was so uneven. I prefer Heavy Rain. I really do to this. I was thinking back at Heavy Rain, and I want to play through it again. It makes me want to play through it again. But I, I liked the having more people to play with kind of thing. We also played another game this week called The Wolf Amongst Us, which is Telltale's new game. And was it, that your finale of... Yeah. Okay. I'm also going to add that I don't think it makes a difference that you have famous people in a game. I know you disagree, but I don't think that their performances mean anything to me just because they're famous and that that was like a gimmick. And I think it is a gimmick, yeah. You can get super high quality actors, actresses, and well, voice over me, people, then they don't have to be Let famous. me just say, I think the two actors in The Last of Us, who played Ellie and Joel, did a better job. Yeah, they were more compelling to me. I think they did a better job, and they're not Hollywood actors. Right. They're voice actors. And they both did a really... I think that I think The Last of Us is a more emotional game, even, when... David Cage is the master at doing emotional scenes. I think The Last of Us did emotional scenes better. I gave, I cared more about Ellie and Joel than I ever did about Aiden and Yeah, Cody. me too. So I think they succeeded better. And yeah, you don't need famous people. It's Absolutely good. Not. It's cool to have it on your box, Ellen Page in Beyond Two Souls. I can, I get that. It sells it, but it's not necessary. No. If that was the girl who played um, Ellie from The Last of Us being Jodie and we don't know who she is she's just a girl playing her it would have been the same if not better well I don't know about that but I'm just saying the I fact mean, it wouldn't that they're mat- famous people doesn't I mean, make not it to better go, yeah it's not like oh I have to buy that game because Ellen Page is in it yeah and you can't devalue people just because they're not famous I think that's been so rude of everybody like it doesn't because it's you yeah know. it is kind of gimmicky I, I think that we'll see it more and more, though, because I think people do respond to, oh, Tom Cruise is in a game, I'm going to buy that. Who's What game's he going to be in? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. He's not going to be in a game, but if he... Well, maybe he is, but what I'm saying is if the next... Um, Splendor's Hill was Tom Cruise. Yeah, and it's actually Tom Cruise as Sam Fisher, and you're like, oh, wow, I think it does sell, because people like the movie stars, don't they, you know? So The Wolf Amongst Us is uh, Telltale's new game. And Telltale are the people who gave us the Walking Dead game last year, or was it the year before? Last Which was year. really good. So The Wolf Amongst Us is their new game, which is the same as The Walking Dead. Uh, I don't mean it's the same game, I mean it's, what would you say, the same... Point and click? Structure, like, <laughs> A yeah. little bit? Yeah, well, it's kind of a... Do they call a that the engine? Yeah. It's the same engine, actually. Right. But The Wolf Amongst Us is a DC Comics property called Fables. And it's a comic um, where, maybe you can explain it, where Fables? Mm -hmm. It's a world where... It's our world. Yeah. It's our modern world. All the fables we've ever read about have been exercised from all of their lands and live... In our world. In New York City, in one place. And they... Fable town. Yeah, they have to be... I mean, that's not essential to the story, but this is the story. So now they just have to live, make a living and live and pay their bills. And they're ruled by their own government and they have to stay hidden from humans. Humans do not know that they exist. I have a feeling we're going to come across the humans yeah, who I do. do but they're part of their... Uh, it's like an underworld almost. There's no 
There's no liveliness to this fable town. And that's part of the story, I think, we're getting revealed how downtrodden they are. By their own government, even. Yeah, exactly. Their own government being that guy. The guy from Sleepy Hollow. Ichabod Green. Yeah. So, yeah. So, The Wolf Amongst Us, is it's going to be five parts, like The Walking Dead was. And um, the first part came out this week, and we played it. And you actually watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think? I wouldn't compare it to The Walking Dead, to be honest. It's the same game, yes. The same gameplay. You know, you move mm-hmm. your stick, you press buttons. Sometimes you have to be really quick to react to things and there's conversations you have to answer. But I wasn't sure at first, like, oh, I don't really... You know, I have read this comic book a little bit and I wasn't sure whether I would be into it as much as The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead's so... You know, I was really into that. But after this first episode, I'm as, you know, as as interested as as I was The Walking Dead. Does it make you want to read it? Um, no. Not to spoil the game, but I, mean, I have read some of it. But, yeah. Uh, it makes me more want to play episode two, like, immediately. Right. <laughs> because it's very, they suck you in, right, to this world. Definitely. And I think they set up the world quite well for a relative newcomer, even a newcomer to this world. I feel like you know oh, yeah, the world totally. at the end of one episode. And the episode's only about two hours long, altogether. And there's choices you can make here that make the game very different. In fact, I think they succeed better than Beyond Two Souls does in the entire game in this one episode, because this episode can go very differently. So the next one, there would be people alive in my story. It won't end up differently. Well, actually, the Walking Dead game ends up very differently depending on the choices you make in the four, first four episodes. Right, but this one isn't, because the ending was the ending of the scene. There's no other ending to the that thing. No, but there's this characters that happen. could be alive or not, and then they might take part in the next episode, like... Are you sure? Yes, I am sure about that. Mm. So, and you know at the end where it says next time on The Wolf Amongst Us, yeah. it kind of cuts scenes together. They're custom made from your choices. Oh, right. So, yeah, this could change quite dramatically depending on what you did in the first episode. I'm sure it gets more complicated the further you go through it. But um, it's a really interesting story. It plays on, like, there's a lot of characters that pop up where you're like, oh, wow, really? Yep. Like Colin was really awesome for me. (laughs) Yeah, but did you even know that the three little pigs had names? I didn't know they had names, but when I realized that that's who Colin was, one of the three little pigs, not so little anymore. And we also have to say, it's not fairy tales. It's not grim fairy tales. There are some of those mixed in there. It's not Disney fairy tales. It is fables. So these can be things and stories that you've never heard of. Right. Never heard of Donkey Skin Girl. But they're real fables that are from around the world, apparently. Yeah, all from around the world. All grim, from different... Grim tales. They, they are all in there. All the I know, different... but it's not just grim tales. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're actually folk tales folk and fables. From... They got turned into Grimm's fairy tales or turned into Disney movies. <laughs> but they're not... It's not that exclusively. So sometimes you're going to come across somebody and you go, I've never heard of that one. But in fact, because the Gren guy isn't something I'd ever heard of. Um, when I looked him up, he's like um, from... The, like. Uh, a folk tale from like the Netherlands or somewhere. He hangs around bars and torments people. And people know all about it. (laughs) Right, right. So we don't know that all of them, but they're all there and and you get a really good explanation of who they are. Not a really good, but like a fairly good 
like right a synopsis up. thing. Yeah, as you um, open them up. And there are different ones. There's like one of the monkeys from the Wizard of Oz books, the yep. flying monkey guy. There's um, Beauty and green. the Beast, uh, R- Little Red Riding Hood. Snow White. Yeah. And somebody said to me the other day, oh, I don't know how they made this game. Wouldn't they have to get all the rights from Disney? And I'm like, <laughs> no, these are all like public domain fable yeah, tales. Yeah, Disney doesn't own They're from them. 1800s. Like, it's not... Disney will own their Disney version. Disney owns their version yeah. of Sleeping Also, there's Tootledee and Tootledum. I don't even know what they're from. I have no idea. No, but I've heard of oh, them a lot. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Is that where they came from originally? Yeah. But they're in it. Yeah, they're in it. Then there's the Woodsman. And uh, and when we're talking about this, and it sounds cool, and you're probably like, oh, my three-year-old will like this. No, no your three-year-old no, 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 will no. not like this, because <laughs> it's about as adult as it can get. Absolutely. It's there's prostitution and prostitution, murder. Lots of... Cuss, cuss words the entire time. Um, bloodthirsty. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's not for kids at all. No. It's a very adult tale. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the story brings us. It's it's kind of like a film noir murder mystery. That's how I feel like it plays out. Yeah. And um, you play as the the sheriff of the town. And he... Sheriff Wolf. Sheriff Wolf. Who, so as we are explained to us, he was actually the Big Bad Wolf. The Big Bad Wolf, yeah. And it... Now, we didn't know that the Big Bad the Wolf Huntsman was The Huntsman is the other guy. Werewolf. Right. But apparently he is. But it's not the moon that brings it out in him. No. So, the, all the, the bad Big Bad Wolf from all those stories, fables, is just a guy who... And we even get his story. So, I wonder if that's part of folklore. How the Big Bad Wolf became... The Big Bad Wolf. And we saw that movie earlier this year, Snow White and the Huntsman. And Snow White, the Huntsman, and the Big Bad Wolf are all take place in this first episode. Yeah, true. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. I, I'm glad Telltale have not just stuck to doing Walking Dead. and they, Because it's obvious that this type of game can work for anything. I said to you, I'd love to see an X-Files um, oh, yeah, that'd be good. episode played out like this. Or, I mean, a season. Like, here's a new season of The X-Files. We're never going to make one for TV. Give the license to Telltale. Let them make a story. It'd be really cool. Um, you can do what you want, really, can't you, with this? Because it's simple. It's drawn like a cartoon. Yeah, I think some people wouldn't like the drawing. But I like it. No, but like, as we know, right now they're doing a new season of The X-Files, which I read in the comic books, where it is a comic book. So, like, season 10 of The X-Files is this comic book. So you could do it within this game. And there's lots of things you could do. Obviously, you could do superhero stories. Are you going to read that comic? I am already reading it. You've seen, you've seen me reading it before. Oh, have I? Yeah. I was reading it on my tablet. <laughs> the other week. I, I showed you. Like, I when, don't recall. When when they... um, I think I was reading it in the cinema when we were waiting to watch a movie. You were what? And I showed you and you said, what is that? No, we, it was at uh, our nephew's play. Correct. And it was uh, Mulder and Scully where they just met each other at the beginning. That's true. Skinner was talking to them. I remember. Um, so, yeah, that's The Wolf Amongst Us. Uh, I recommend it highly. It's uh, 20 books for the whole season, which I think is good because there's a lot to it. You know, it's like The Walking Dead season. I think it was well worth $20 and it was maybe 8 to 10 hours of game. Which is pretty good for twenty dollars. And you're looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, and and it's going to come out an episode every month, so the next one will be mid November. So yeah, that's the it's out on PS3, PC, and Xbox 360. So the other game I've been playing this week, and 
I've been waiting for this for so long, but um, Blizzard, who make Diablo and Starcraft and World of Warcraft, but I've never been a World of Warcraft fan, but I joined their, um, I signed up a long time ago to be in their new game, which is their beta of their new game, and the new game's called Hearthstone. And I don't mean half a stone, I mean hearth, like a fireplace. Yeah, hearth. Hearthstone. Um, And it's called Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft. And now you might think, well, if you don't like World of Warcraft, why would you be interested in that? Well, I'd be interested in that because it's a card game. Oh, dear. And I really like card games. Um, <laughs> and this is a video game card game. And it's in beta now. Um, good luck getting in there because they've not let that many people in. And when I got my email this week that said, you have been invited to Halfstone Beta, I was like, I almost jumped out of my chair. I was like, really? Come on. Because <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for a year for it. And um, I can tell you, if you like these kind of card games, and I'm talking like um, tabletop card games, like one from when I was a kid was called Top Trumps. It's very similar to that, but there, there are ones nowadays like um, what is it? The famous one. I'm trying to think. What Pokemon. Similar to Pokemon. Similar to. Wow. I don't know any of them. I'm drawing a blank. There's one that's really famous. It's not Dungeons and Dragons. It's very similar to Dungeons and Dragons card games also. I know what you're saying. But it's a video game version and you make up your own deck of cards and you you start off with all the basic cards and then you can actually buy packs of cards from their store with okay. real money. And every pack, there's five cards, one of them's guaranteed to be a rare card. So you can buy with real money these cards or you can play other people and earn these in-game coins and then use the coins to buy more packs of cards. And you're 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 getting better at playing it when you're playing against people and then you're earning more cards. And then when you make your deck, if you've got more rare cards, you've got more advantage over the person. How can you get good at it if it's just drawing cards? Because there's a lot of strategy. Like when you draw down a card, when you put a card down on the table... Um, that makes that's your warrior, for instance. Like I play a warrior, and my warrior has one hit point and five armor. So the other person has to play a card that can remove the five armor and kill my guy. So, so it's not random. It's not random because you choose your deck of thirty cards, but it deals out five at a time to you. That's what I'm saying. So that's random. There is a bit of chance, but there's also if somebody plays something, you. Sh- should know how to react to that with you, the cards that you have. Okay. And you have a certain amount of points you can spend each round, which is each time you play your cards. And each card costs an, a certain amount of these points. So say it gives you five points for this round. And you've got cards that cost one point to play or a big card that costs five points to play. You can either play that one card or you can play a bunch of smaller cards. And you're basically trying to take out the other person's hero. And the hero starts with 30 hit points, and so do you, and you're trying to whittle each other away until you... But, I can tell you, even if you're not into card games, once you've played the tutorial and you've figured out how to play, it could ruin your life. (laughs) It's that kind of Like Plants vs. Zombies kind of thing. Yeah, it's really addictive. Not that Plants vs. Zombies ruined my life, but I can tell you, or The Sims, but I can get very obsessed with it. Yeah, you could get obsessed with this. You could... Like World, like World of Warcraft, I guess. You could... Um, it's very easy to have a game. You press a button, it finds somebody who's at your similar level of um, experience, and you play them. A game lasts about 10 minutes. 
and it's over and done with and you get some experience and maybe you win some more cards um, but I could see people spending lots of money buying the cards you know instead yeah. of playing to earn the cards because it's very easy to nip into the store and say oh ten dollars let me have a few cards right or let me have ten packs of cards and then just sitting opening those cards is exciting in itself because you don't know what you're going to get did you buy any? No, I haven't bought any, but um, there is a thing in the beta. If you do, the shop is open so you can buy cards and you can buy them. And if you do spend some money in the store, no matter how much, even just a dollar, which I'm going to buy a pack of cards, just one pack, they give you something good when the game comes out. Like It's like a thank you for just a, trying the the store. So you get a rare, something rare, when it actually comes out. The game's free to play as well. It's not like a um, you pay $60 for the base game or anything. It's a free game. You right. just It's a free-to-play game, essentially. You can play it as much as you want, but if you want better cards, you'd probably be best to spend some money on some cards. I'm not talking about spend $100 on cards. You don't need to do that. To make a good deck, I would say $5, you could probably make a good one. Right. So if you're really into it, it's going to cost you $5. If you're really obsessed with it, it could cost you thousands of dollars. That's all I'm saying. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Anything that Blizzard makes, you are guaranteed top quality. I said to you, this is just a card game, but the actual art direction of the cards... And the cards are all animated. When you throw them down on the table, they actually do stuff. Right. So it's more exciting than just playing cards on a table with your friend. Because it's, it's a video game. So there's animations. If you fire a spell at a guy, you know, if I fire my fireball, an actual fireball comes out of the table and flies towards him. Okay, now you're making it sound more exciting. Before it's like, I'm playing a card and someone plays a card. Well, all the cards animate. And I'm getting addicted. It's like, uh, I don't know about that. If you place a dragon card on the table, a little dragon will breathe fire on the other cards and the cards will start burning. You know, it's like, it's very animated and it's very Warcraft. Because all the characters in the game, reason it's Heroes of Warcraft, are from Warcraft. Right. So there's the Barbarian and the Mage and all that kind of stuff. So if you're really into Warcraft already, which a lot of people are, this is going to be right up their street also. I think this actual game is going to be inside World of Warcraft as well, so you can stop at a tavern in World of Warcraft and play Hearthstone. I think that's the idea of it, but it's also separate. So that's Hearthstone. It's in beta. It's not easy to get a key. I've seen keys on eBay at the moment going for $100. So if you want to buy a beta key, you can, but they're very expensive. Um, Best thing to do, go into your Blizzard.net account, go into the beta section, and tick the box to say you're interested in Hearthstone. If you don't do that, you'll not get invited. But if you do, maybe you'll get an invite. And finally this week on my Games and A-School stuff, and this is to do with the horror section of this week's podcast, we watched a couple of movies this week. We already talked about Reanimator, but we watched Human Centipede (laughs) and Human Centipede 2, the duology. And uh, Sidtar, what do you think of those two movies? You always ask me what I think first. Um, I will say first what I was expecting. Oh my god, Human Centipede. Piece of shit. Gonna be a piece of shit. How can any... This sounds like, you know, um, wasp women from outer space kind of thing. Right. So that was my setup. That yeah, was my I know what mind. You mean, like yeah. A- <laughs> yeah. Human centipede. Exploitive piece of shit. 
So it begins, and I'm like, okay, some pretty good quality. I mean, it's a little bit pat here and there. The girls are kind of, you know, cheesy and whatnot. But then again, but then I get the vibe of Cabin in the Woods, where it starts off leading you down a path of, oh, look at these goofy characters, the acting's a bit 80s, and all that kind of stuff. You just think of, it's very symbolic of... Horror movies. Bad, yeah, very bad. Um, oh, I'm going to want these people to have something horrible happen to them, basically, is the vibe. But then you get to the place, and the guy's fucking weird, and he's kind of out there weird, so you, you've just got to get over that. Like, oh, he's so unreal. But he's just a dude. He looks that way in real life. So you got to, like, accept that this doctor guy is freaking freaking weird. And then I... The quality is... <laughs> anyone who watches it and hates it is going to be like, these two people are crazy. But the quality is really good. It looks really good. The story is effed up, you know? But then I buy it because the guy is a surgeon and he's... What is the tagline? 100% medically accurate. Of sewing people together, mouth to ass is the idea. And you're... See, that's... The reaction in my mind is even like, (laughs) that sounds so stupid. And it is. So you're all... You're constantly pushing against your brain who's telling you, this filmmaker is trying to take the piss out of me. The filmmaker is making fun of me, sitting here watching this movie and buying into any of it. And he's just like flipping me the bird the whole time. Like, you fucking idiots. Why are you watching this movie? That's, That's the vibe it, I get. But I think it is a little when you read about him. But then I, I'm, I'm totally there. It's horrible. It's horrific. It's... Your your mind can't get around it. And yet, the quality... The, everything looks really good. It's got, a like, one little... One time she spills her water. I'm talking about filmmaking errors here. She spills her water, then the next cut of the exact same, it goes from one point of view to another, and then the glass of, is full again. That kind of shit, it just jumped out at me. But other than that, you feel a little bit like filmmaking 101, but it's just, it was really intriguing. Acting was really good, I thought. I mean, and then it's en- in German, so I don't know. But. And then the first one ended, and then the second one came on. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the first one? I uh, like the first one because of the creepy doctor and the weird house. What were your expectations? Um, I thought it was going to be a gross out type movie. And you know what? The first one isn't that much. No. I mean, it's gross in your mind. Yeah, but they don't show you much. Mm -mm. But the second one, they show you all of it. In the second one. (laughs) It's the same thing. This guy, The second one's way more crazy. Is trying to... Put his finger up at me and say, are you kidding me? You're giving me money for making this crazy, effed up movie. You're looking at people shitting in each other's mouths or everything the whole thing like, happens. That is in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And even saying it and people listening are like, <laughs> I'm like, my kids are listening to this. Your kids shouldn't be listening to this, by the way. But um, for some reason, I'm, I was behind him. I, I got it. I... Not behind the... <laughs> no. What was he called? Martin. Not, not behind, behind Martin. anyone... Uh, no, not behind anyone who's in or the Or behind anybody in the sense of <laughs> Exactly. But the horrific parts, even you know, the mental horror of it, I think is tapped into just right. 
I really do. I was impressed. I can't. I don't know how to. Explain and the second it. one is just completely fucked up. <laughs> we got all the f words. In this like one. every part of that second yes. movie is gross, exploitive, and dirty. dirty. You, you cannot deny that it's exploiting some really horrible concepts. It's exploiting your visceral inside you reaction to horrible things. Some of my favorite parts of that second movie were the parts in is this a spoiler in his household. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Scenes with his mother yeah. and scenes with that weird doctor. <laughs> he, build, he builds characters, this mm-hmm. Tom Six guy and his sister. Whoever write, you know, they write and do them. It's slightly two-dimensional, obviously, because it's just, it's a horror flick. But there's something about, it taps into what you know is horrible about some people. And he, he lays it out for you. This is... There are effed up, horrible, wretched human beings on this planet. And they're willing to do horrible, wretched things to people. Anybody. Children. Anybody. And here it is. Boom. I'm I'm depicting this person for you in a sort of a weird, campy way. I was going to say, the funny thing about that second movie is it's got an element of comedy to it. And, And I don't mean it's hilarious. No, no. But I mean, some of the scenes are so bizarre, it's almost funny. Like It's It's uncomfortable humor. Like I'm not a I'm not a awkward laugher necessarily. Like I don't laugh at things and then look around and see if everybody's laughing with me. But this pushes that button. Like oh my god! I mean, a That's scene awful. where um, a human centipede um, it's it's poo poo time. Let's say for a human centipede, <laughs> and there's fart noises happening, and it's very it's very cartoony. And uh, our hero, so to speak, he's not a hero. Is you know. Yes. Like a conductor at an orchestra. He's loving it. And it's the most hideous thing you could possibly imagine. Yet, I actually... It's it's kind of funny in a way. And it's twisted, like, because you're like, this is really... That's what I'm saying about when you read a bit about Tom Six. Yeah, that's what he's trying to... He's trying yeah. to poke you. And A, you're getting entertainment from this. And aren't you ridiculous for it? And B, I'm showing you... Not really the most horrific thing you can imagine. There are more horrible things. But you're sitting there taking it. You're lapping it up. And I am... I'm just shoving it in your face. And it, it literally... And as a movie. And I... What I kept thinking during certain parts was... Being behind the camera on that day. Or on those days. And being those actors and actresses in that position. And with those special effects things and stunts and whatnot. And just like... It's all it's all a spectacle. It's all a ridiculous F you to everybody. And I kind of liked that. It and was black and white, the second one, which I loved. I yeah, thought I think that was, that was so a good idea. Better. Oh, man. There's, there's a little bit of color. <laughs> like from one <laughs> second. Which just reminds you yeah. of the difference between blood and poo, basically, yeah. is what we're here. That was a pretty good touch, though, I thought. Absolutely. I don't know if that was the whole reason he made it black and white. Like, just for that. Like, to go, like, you know. Remember? This isn't... This yeah, isn't this, because the rest of the time it's blood, so you're convinced it is, but then... <laughs> yeah, you know that that's not... Something's wrong with us if we found the human centipede and human centipede 2 to be entertaining and like filmmaking-wise, I thought they both went together really well. And, and the good news is he's just finished <laughs> filming Human Centipede 3 and it'll be out next year. I don't know if that's good news. <laughs> I don't know. I'm might. not looking forward to it or anything. I'm just saying. Because you feel exhausted by the end of the... Because we watched him right in a row. Like, yeah. as soon as the first one ended, we peed. They're both on back. Netflix. Yeah. And it was like, 
it's exhausting because when it's over, all my my shoulders were all tense and my my reflex was like. Ugh. It makes me laugh that the Human Centipede Two on Netflix is the cut version. It has a edit, it has cut. an edit done to it, but you wouldn't think that the no what they edited out is no worse than what's in it. Uh, I just I guess it depends. There's something way worse in it to me uh, to do with a cat. Yeah. Yeah. That's. If you were going to edit, if I was the person editing, I'd be like, uh, that should come out with that bit as well, shouldn't it? Because that's pretty bad. <laughs> I vote for that part to come out. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is, it's been edited, but it it doesn't feel like a movie that's been edited because it's, Right. Well, it does, in a way, because I turned to you and said, what happened there? I don't... This, it's a bit jumpy at one point because of the edit. A little bit. But still, it won't ruin. <laughs> so if you are... If you do like gore, a little bit of gore, and I don't mean just visual gore, because the number two has a lot of the <laughs> the number two. Da, da, da. It also has the number two. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it's, watch it alone or with the grown-up. Do not let your children even see the cover, because it could seem interesting to a child. Have you seen the cover not, for the first yeah, one? Yeah, seen it. Yeah, it's kind of... Um... Of course I saw it, because in number two, we won't tell the whole thing, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'd seen it already anyway, on Netflix. It's funny that a movie as crazy as that is on Netflix. Netflix doesn't... Why? They have all kinds of movies. They do, but um, and obviously they put the edited version up there. But I always thought Netflix might not carry something like that. But they do, they carry Irreversible. It's on there as well. Right. Irreversible, another one, gets in your mind. So, um, Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Tonight will be leftover homemade pasta. What did you think of the pasta last night? I really liked it. In I fact, um, unfortunately for you, probably, um, last night when I was hungry about one thirty in the morning, I took some of that pasta. So I noticed. I bet today there isn't as much. <laughs> I noticed. I only took two pieces. So you get two pieces less than you would have. That's no, I'm making. I'm heating that up, and uh, that's just homemade. It's pasta. ravioli. Ravioli with the whole, with the fake sausage in the middle and flour. Vegetarian and ravioli. Yeah, but I did use eggs for the pasta. Still vegetarian. Um, and I love it. I made mushroom sauce and I used a jar of ragu. And tonight's going to be all mixed together with some. I decided to make, and I'm not trying to sound pretentious, but I don't know what else to call it except I'll call it smashed peas. I'm going to make some of them. In the TV shows, they would call it pea puree, but I wanted to make some of that with. I, some I think fried you should corn. make peas two ways. <laughs> Okay. Deconstructed. <laughs> We've been watching too many cooking shows. Just deconstruct shows. the pea. <laughs> like, get the seed and some dirt and a leaf, and then be like, this is your deconstructed pea. pea. I guess a deconstructed pea is a smashed pea, isn't it? Because you turned it from no, a, pea, a spherical That's pea. That's just a smashed pea. Yeah, but you turned it from a spherical pea, how it's supposed to be. That's not deconstructed. The... That's just... Destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> so that is what is for dinner. And I bought a chocolate pie because I've been craving chocolate pie because we've been watching Australian MasterChef. MasterChef. And of course, they cook amazing stuff on there. And somebody, some along the line, oh, we made that little tart last night and it looked like chocolate. Australian MasterChef is way better than American MasterChef. <laughs> yeah, way better. I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's just, a lot. It's There's better. a lot of it. They, yeah. may, they may do like three episodes a week. I still think British is the best one, though. I do like British. I like, I like them equally. They're very different, though, aren't they? Yep. The British one's very different to the Australian one, and then the American one's different. I'll tell you again. what, New Zealand and Ireland are both really good, too. If anyone's out there and can nab these uh, Master Chefs from around the world, it's a really good I show. I think the American one's the worst one, to be honest. I don't know if it's worse. It's the least... 
It's a bit. It's, it's not very, educational. Now these others all make a point of like teaching you yeah. stuff. Do you feel like? Yeah, the English one especially. Yeah, and you don't you get mixed in with their episodes. The master class of learning. Well, in the English one, not the master class. The section where he sits down and shows. Makes them a dish. It makes a dish and then they have to replicate it. Yeah. But it's showing you how to make the dish while he does it. So. Actually, and then what you learn also is about cooking in restaurants, which I find really fascinating. So, I think they're really good. But the American one is just, it's kind of all that goodness peeled off and it's become a competition. And it's fake anyway to me. It's really shitty. So, I don't really enjoy it. It's very that. American. I'd rather watch Top Chef. Yeah. The American, to me, and I don't watch the American MasterChef, but the episodes I've seen that you've watched, it's extravagant kind of yep. um, it's, fr- frills, like all frills. No, it's it's less, it's more talking heads and less cooking. Yes, let's get rid of the are. talking heads, people. Yeah. yeah, so that's why we're having chocolate pie. And that didn't make it. Is um, hmm, I don't know this week. It says here, and I can see it. That was from last week. Oh. Doodle more? Yeah, I'll that, say it you again. said that last week. I'll repeat myself. Uh, I'll repeat it. I'm doodling now. And what do you think? That's pretty good. It's not a doodle. <laughs> I wouldn't pass that as a doodle. Doodling is anything you do while you're just doing something else. Right. You're not thinking about it. Um, I say doodle more. Doodle did you, more. Did you post that picture last week in the... I put it on Facebook. Oh, so right. just to put it in the... <laughs> I'll do that tonight with okay. this one. Um, doodle more and and if you're the kind of person who bitches and moans about every horror story or every you know paranormal story that you see, get a get, write one of your own. Even if it's like two paragraphs. Just if you've thought of something really weird and creepy, even if it's really out there like a human freaking centipede, like something really horrific, write it down. Even if, it doesn't have to be in a story form. Write bullet points or like scribble down a drawing of some weird thing that you think of, you know, just put that out there. And if you find that a bit challenging, then the next time you go to watch a whole movie where you sit there and constantly pick it apart, because I, you know, we do it too. We criticize things in movies. Maybe, because if you can't even come up with a little bit of a kernel of an idea without it being really difficult, then imagine coming to the whole process of making a movie. I'm not saying all movies need to be praised because they get made and we should be, oh, you made a whole movie, aren't you great? I just mean, you know, maybe try to put your own story together and if you can't, imagine all the thousands and thousands of people who've come together and made actual movies the whole project. Like Human Centipede, it's not, it actually is an intriguing story. As we're going through this, the weirdness of it. I don't know why it's intriguing to me, but it taps into like really darkness in people's minds. And I find that really interesting. And regardless of the content, which can be shocking and repels you, it's got me hooked because of that. And if you can write you a story and then tell it to somebody else, even like, oh my God, I thought of this really cool idea for a movie. It's just the... Blah, 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 does this, and he goes over here and he does that. Wouldn't that be an interesting movie? Just, like, get it out of your head and maybe you could make a whole movie someday. But I'd say doodle more and scribble down your story ideas. So good advice, Sid Talk. (laughs) What's your advice? I have none. Let me remind you, my advice is for you to go to the website, (laughs) ascully.com, 
AllSidsaw.com. More GoatsWaySchoolie.com. I posted my Halloween picture I drew. I drew a nice little pumpkin yesterday and posted it on my website. It's not scary. So go to the um, <laughs> go to the websites and see that. Go to your website. And you will put that picture from last week up in the uh, show notes. Um, you I, don't can, know, I don't know what you mean, but I will do what you say. You can catch us on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> you can catch this uh, podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed. Just go to iTunes Music Store if you're an Apple person. Or go to Stitcher.com and you can find us on there. You can email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not care or want to know you. Unless you've written a really good story. And finally, stay classy, Mr. James Wan. And the next thing we'll be seeing from you is Fast 7. Nice. And I'm going to say think for yourself. Because if you can't do it, no one will. I mean, someone will do it for you. An eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash.